It's the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show's News of the Week for December 28th, 2019. The Portsmouth Aeroship Building Family. This time, Jason Cousineau and I, Eric Renner-Kangfisk, talk about extended family issues during the holiday season. Building new families with your fellow rejects and nerds who already love you back. What's good and what's bad about the Rise of Skywalker? That's 99.4% spoiler-free. Geeking out about the Mandalorian. And the joy that is Tony Snipes, the Portsmouth Aeroship Building 2020 calendar. Commentary on pop culture and current events through the perspective of film snobs and diesel punks, with topics from true crime and the paranormal. Thanks for listening. Jeffrey Epstein did not kill himself. Stay tuned. Jay's fault. It's Eric's fault because I have all of these cables and wires and stuff all over the place. And I didn't set the levels. So, a um, little comedy of errors this morning. While, while we are recording, um, and it is actually uh, December 30th, and uh, this is the uh, Fedora Chronicles radio show news of the week for what was Saturday's date? You'd think I'd be able to do simple math in my head. The 28th. Uh, 28th. The yeah. 28th. So. And one of the things that I had done is that uh, rearranged some of the wires and, and stuff like that and uh, changed the position of the mixing board. So the, the, the new expensive USB cable that's supposed to help eliminate some of the buzzing noise that sometimes people hear in the background, you know, um, it's, it's too short. So I had to rearrange some stuff at the very last second. And then, of course, we ran out of fuel in the middle of the night and the house is freezing. And uh, it's not good when you're recording a podcast and you can actually see your breath because that's distracting. Well, actually, it's the teeth chattering that are distracting. Yeah, you know, you, you and and you know all about teeth chattering um, for uh, yeah. being raised out in the middle of the woods in in uh, in New England here. So, um, oh yeah. So I wanted to and going and being in the Coast Guard going up to Alaska. Oh, oh, crossing the Arctic Circle. You know, that's that's got to be cold. Did you, have, did you ever cross the Arctic Circle? No, we got within 10 miles of the Arctic Circle, but um, there was a massive ice flow. Yeah, that we had run across. So we ended up not actually being able to cross the circle. Yeah. Excuses, excuses. Just keep going. Just keep going. I, I know, right? I want to be. Jeez. I want to be able who to. Who cares if little damage to the boat? Right. Jeez. Who gives? A, who cares? Who cares if the boat sinks? I want to be able to share the story on the podcast that'll be on with my friend twenty years from now. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with twenty years. That sounds much better. Than... <laughs> Thirty, forty. You know, what's a decade? What's a decade? <laughs> years? And, uh... Oh my God! Uh, two middle-aged men on a podcast—that could have been the name <laughs> of, of this. <laughs> right. Um, so, what? A uh, couple of things that we wanted to do a little um, in memoriam, uh, because between um, uh, today and the last time we recorded, or two podcasts ago, um, uh, a friend of the community, um, Leon Wilkinson, aka Jack Crud. 
um, infamous hat maker passed away. And oh, really, um, yeah, oh yeah. I actually posted this on our Fedora Chronicles, um, just a plain old vanilla Fedora Chronicles group. Um, yeah. And I had posted that he had recently passed away, and um, uh, he had he was suffering from pancreatic cancer for a while. And yeah. um, Jack, uh, Jack or Leon, however you know him, um, I mean, he, he was quite a character, and he could talk about hat making um, for days, for hours and weeks even. Um, and he and I had really lengthy conversations about, uh, you know, his legacy and how cancer really changed him and made him look long and hard at his life and try to make amends at the last possible minute. Um, because there, there are some people who had some outrageous claims about, about Jack and things that he had done. And they had told me, and I said, look, you know, the thing about the Fedora Chronicles is, and, the, and the group and the community in general is that you can be brutally honest about yourself, like we have been. And, and, oh, yeah. and Jack, Jack tried really hard to make amends. And, and um, uh, I want to be careful because I know that some, some of his family members will be listening to this. But one of the yeah. things that Jack had told me when I confronted him, and I said, you know, um, people have told me these things about you. Is any of this true? And he said, yeah, sadly, they are true. And he did make mistakes. And he, um, he, he dropped the ball a couple of times. And he wanted to make amends with it. And... Um, and he, he tried the very best he could up until the day he, he passed away, trying to be a better member of the community. Um, so You know, you've got to give someone kudos for that, for owning up to their mistakes and then trying to, to give restitution in how, whatever way they possibly can. Right. I mean, that's something that I think um, – a lot of times in life, we can be very bitter about things, and well, yeah. he screwed me over. I'll never do business with him again, kind of a thing. Right. But what if the guy came to you and said, "Look, I know we've had problems in the past. I fully own that those are my problems, and I screwed you over. Um, you know, would you take that risk?" I'd like to think I would, but in reality, I have no idea because I've never actually been in that situation. Yeah, exactly. I I don't know how I would you react know? to Jay. To be perfectly honest with you, if I had an issue like Jack had, um, I don't know. I don't know how I would react. And I and hey, you know what? Here's the thing. I've I've screwed up a lot. I was actually thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking about um, mistakes that I've made in my life. And if people knew about all the mistakes that I had made, and some were just like stupid, some were um, based on. Um, excessive testosterone in my youth, I guess you could call it. Um, too much testosterone, not enough maturity. And just stupid things that I would do like on a dare or something like that. Um, for, it's a miracle I'm still alive, A. And B, it's, it's a miracle that a lot of people don't know about the stupid things that I've done in the past. And it's like people would not want to have anything to do with me. Um, and some of these de demons I have exercised on the podcast as a source of entertainment for some people. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think that he will be missed. I wish he had more time to do the kind of things that he wanted to do to make amends with certain people. Um, and, uh, you know, Godspeed. And um, uh, we'll see him on the other side is, uh, is how I'm going to leave it. So, um, and uh, I got a text from... 
Carol Friday, um, speaking about people who passed away. Don Imus passed away. Um, yeah. Was, and um, uh, I, I don't know whether or not to thank you or condone you for this. You turned me on to uh, WTKK when it first launched in the Boston region. And WTKK had a wonderful lineup. Um, um, I, I could, I, I, you can't call it conservative talk radio because it was all over the spectrum. Um, it really was. I mean, they had individual shows that were very conservative, but right. they also had some shows that were uh, much more left of center. Right. Um, and one of the things that they had on their lineup was Don Imus. And uh, I had a love-hate relationship with Don Imus. Uh, I loved listening to his show. I loved listening to a lot of his interviews. But some of the things that he said really rubbed me the wrong way. Um, yeah, he was the original shock jock. Uh, he made a living on that kind of thing. Being like being offensive. And I think that other people made um, a life of uh, or career out of being offended by what Don Imus had said. And um, about a decade ago, do you remember the nappy headed hoe incident with Don Imus? Yes. Um, yes, I do. And on the Fedora Chronicles, on, on our commentary or rant section, I wrote an article laying out the argument. Don Imus's career should have been over. That should have, he should have, he, first of all, he should have known as a broadcaster for being on the air that long. He should have been fired. His career should have been over. And he should have mm-hmm. retired. He was well, I think he was well past the age of retirement when that actually happened. Yeah, he was, let's see, he was 79 when he passed away the day before Christmas. And that was, what, 12, 13 years ago? Yeah. So he was, it was in his, his mid-late 60s at the time. So, yeah. yeah, he was, he was definitely retirement age. Yeah. So, and God knows he had, yeah, he, um, I wrote the article, Career Ending Comments, Don Imus and the N-Word, uh, written, by, uh, written by myself, April 10th, 2007. So, what, that was like, what, 12 years ago? There's a career ending comment right there. Um, <laughs> but Sorry, sorry. I don't know um, who that was, but, but, but that's the, why I didn't answer. But the thing is, is that uh, in the 7 o'clock hour, as I wrote in my article, he had some of the greatest interviews with a lot of the newsmakers in and around Washington, D.C., New York City, and all over the country. And if you were a political... Oh, yeah. Junkie, in fact, our current president was on his show quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, and I used to flip back and forth between Don Imus and Howard Stern. And I used to say to myself, wow, that's, that's got to be a great job. That's going to be a, a wonderful job for you to be able to get a microphone and just talk with your best friend or one of your best friends about what's going on in the news and have people call into your, your show and tell you about like what's going on. I don't know if you remember, there was a, a character, um, I think he was like a senator from, was it, was it Maryland or Delaware? And he used to just come on the show, um, the Don Imus show, and talk about real issues and what's really going on. And the guy had some hookspa. And now that yeah. guy has morphed into the character chore that we know today um, as Joe Biden. 
And something something happened to Joe Biden when he became vice president. Um, I think that I think that Joe Biden was a was a, a a better person, or at least a more of a straight shooter, and more of a working working man's politician, before he came vice president. Um, yeah. See, I don't know. I, I I've never. I, I remember Joe, I remember him being on Dynam- Don Imus. I don't remember much of the things he said yeah. on Don Imus because, you know, it's Imus in the morning. So right. a lot of people just say shit to get a rise out of Don. Right. Because you know? that was, you know, kind of part of the show was, you know, that kind of kind of, you know, cranky old man thing, right. you know. Right. Um but I never really followed his career as a politician. I don't know what sort of record he held when he was in office. Yeah. You know, it's not like, um, you know, I was living in Massachusetts at the time when Ted Kennedy was a senator. When I say living in Massachusetts, I mean up until I left Massachusetts to come here to Utah. Right. Um, and, you know, I know what he did as a senator. I know what John Kerry did as a senator because they were my senators. Yeah. You know, I actually could vote for or against them. Um, so I tended to pay closer attention to them than to the people who, frankly, I had no say in the matter. So, you know, there's no point getting angry at someone at a senator who I can never vote for because I don't yeah. live in their district. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I don't know if he changed, though. Did he change or is it just more obvious because he's got more attention on him? Well, this is the thing that I'm really sort of having a, an issue dealing with this morning because uh, I used to call into the Mike Barnacle show uh, twice a week when Mike Barnacle had his show in mid-morning on WTKK. And uh, yep. uh, used to have me on for like, oh, quite a few minutes, like maybe even half a segment. Um, Eric from, uh-huh. you know, you know, I was just known as like Eric from New Hampshire and it was, and Mike Barnacle said, Oh, here we go. Eric from New Hampshire is calling and Eric, what's going on? <laughs> and I thought that Mike Barnacle was a, was a straight shooter. And I thought that he was his own person. Yeah. I, then he had that controversy pop up too, didn't he? He had a number of controversies. Yeah. You should hit his, um, Wikipedia page. And, you know, because yeah, he, he got didn't he get accused of uh, faking a story or making something up or something. I think that I think that Mike Barnacle got nailed a couple of times for plagiarism because he did not. He quoted somebody without attributing the source or something like that. And Mike Barnacle's excuse was, I think at the time I might be wrong. I apologize if I am. Whereas, like, you know, he he does how many how many articles um, a week? How many, you know, how many uh, yeah. he does, how many commentaries? And, of course, the thing is, is that you're bound to make mistakes. And, and um, what's his face? Howie Carr, on a rival AM radio station, used to just get off on pointing out all the foibles of Mike Barnacle. They had a horrible rivalry. And there are times I wondered if whether or not it was going to go to blows, if the, if the two ever met in public. Well, I, as I understand it, the two knew each other from previous employments. Um, and Howie Carr, I used to love listening to Howie yeah. Carr. He'd say things that I'm like, you go, Howie. Then he'd say other things. I'm like, you're an asshole, Howie. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I mean, um, 
I used to love when he would go off on the Barnacle Brothers, not Barnacle, um, Bulger Brothers. He actually wrote a book about uh, Howie Bulger and Whitey Bulger. Yeah. Not Howie, Billy Bulger and Whitey yeah. Bulger. Yeah. Um, a lot of people forget that um, while Whitey Bulger, the main character in Black Mass, while he was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list, yeah. his brother was the president of the Senate in the state of Massachusetts. Yeah. You know, and people are like, you know, Chicago's the most corrupt state. And I'm like, I don't know. Massachusetts sometimes can give fucking Chicago, Illinois, a, a run for its money. Yeah. You know, and that's just one example of that. So, yeah. I mean, Howie Carr. I remember he was never on TKK. Um, Mike Howie Bar- Carl, yeah. Was yeah. A, he was a fun guy to listen to, though. Yeah, well, um, he's still on Mike the Barnacle. air. Mike Barnacle. He is. Who were the, who were the, the two people? Um, Jim and Marjorie. Um, yeah. Jim. They were kind of fun. They were left of center, but they were right. still fun to listen to. Yeah. And then there was uh, Jay Severin, who got himself into a spat of trouble. How many times did Jay Severin get himself into trouble? (laughs) Yeah, right? I mean, I don't know about him, you know. Uh, My opinion has evolved over time over Jay Severin. My opinion of Jay Severin has evolved several times over time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Especially as a father of of, uh, young women now. Um, Oh, yeah. yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's just yeah, he's a he's a piece of work. Yeah. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Um Yeah. I'm trying to think who else was who else was on? I think basically I know they didn't have Vimus for very long, and then they replaced him with Jim and Marjorie as a more local flavor. Yeah, um it used to in the heyday, when I used to listen to it, it used to be a um Imus in the morning, then Mark then Mike Barnacle. Jim and Marjorie mm-hmm. would come on at noon. And then after, so that they would, they would go from noon to three, then Jay Severin. And then, I, I can't remember who came after. Oh, and um, Mark Levin, I believe, came on after. That's right. I might be Mark, Mark. Levin. And then they had, um, at one point, didn't they have um, Laura Ingram? was on no i think laura ingram was always on the am station i think she was always on i mean i, I don't want to put the listeners to sleep yeah. all over the all over the world and um, <laughs> um as we're reminiscing about things that are like you know 30 freaking years old now and- oh geez i know it's closer to 20 but i know i i know what you're saying yeah um but the the issue that i had with mike barnacle this weekend when i was looking for things uh, to share about Don Imus. Um, one of the things that really, really upset me was something that Don Imus had said on his Twitter page about Tulsi Gabbard. And he's, oh, okay. he's repeating the same BS lines about her being a Russian asset. <laughs> and I'm like, Mike, I mean, seriously, Mike. I would have. I thought better of Mike Barnacle. I honestly did. And then I realized that he is still a fill-in commentator host on MSNBC. And I yeah. would. I would have thought that Mike Barnacle would have done his own research on who and what Tulsi Gabbard is. Because that's that's where his roots are. 
You know, he was an investigative journalist for years, allegedly anyway. Yeah. Which is why the whole hubbub about his uh, – was geez, I'm, I'm not reading the – I pulled up his Wikipedia page, but I haven't been reading it. Didn't he get accused of plagiarism or something? Anyway, it was, it was yeah. one of those things where How many what times? he was accused of was something you'd think that if someone who prided themselves on their own investigative yeah. journalism yeah. would never be caught dead doing. Right. You know? It was one of it's. It, I think that I think if memory serves, he was actually fired from the Boston Globe for some of the plagiarism um, comments that he made. Um, he was never fired for the for the crass comments that he made about um, um, women in uh, in New Hampshire. I believe that he made a couple of crack comments about how all the women in New Hampshire are fat. Jeez, um, oh, you know, and it's like as somebody who lives in New Hampshire. And is married to a woman who lives in New Hampshire. I can tell you right now, not all women, <laughs> and not all women in New Hampshire are obese. Um, but it's just, right. it's just, it's just kind of like things like that. It was just like, dude, I thought you knew better. And there's a point where it, it was. Um, I don't want to bring Howard Stern into the mix too much that I haven't already. Howard Stern yeah. di- brought the level of discourse. Um, on the radio, up in some ways and down the other. Yeah. Saying things to get a rise out of people for ratings is that that's only a trick that you can only use a couple of times before people start to look and see that's all you have. That's all you got. In Howard Stern's case, he was able to say things that really was able to you know, be provocative and thought-provoking, a little dirty, a little perverted. And then he would have a guest on for about an hour and a half and and get celebrities to say things that they would never say um, in other situations. And I thought that that was, that's a, that's a way to just do really great interviews. That's the reason why I switched back and forth between Don Imus and Howard Stern was because they're incredible interviews. And then they'd go ahead and they'd blow it and ruin their reputation with me by just being crass and obnoxious. Um, right, and it's almost like they someone talks to them, be like, "Hey, your viewer, your listenership is going down," and you know they're like, "Oh, like apparently I have to say something stupid." Right. You know, you almost kind of sometimes get that impression. Yeah. Um, that's one of the things that I'm actually really impressed with with Joe Rogan. Yeah. Is, I mean, he's a guy who's completely unapologetic about what he's done in life. He's sure. fully aware that he's every bit of an ass as people accuse him of being right but he's also very very brutally honest not just with himself but with other people as yeah. well yeah he was the guy that carlo called out carlos mencia on stage he like literally went on stage and called out carlos mencia for stealing other people's material sure you know and i mean that takes a lot of fucking balls to right. do that right um but at the same time people call him on his shit and he's like oh yeah no i've done that kind of thing you know what i mean so um i'm not saying that you know he's like he's my hero or anything like that it's just you've got to you got to recognize when someone is doing something that takes a lot of honesty brutal honesty with themselves yeah 
And I think Joe Rogan does that. Yeah. He ends up with some really good interviews sometimes with people that he doesn't even agree with. Sure. Because he's being he's has that element of brutal honesty, not just with them, but with himself as well. Yeah. And it was it's that kind of brutal honesty that I've also tried to bring to our podcast where I am coming out and saying point blank, hey, this here's a mistake I made. You know, I would have, yeah. I mean, here's another fine example. I would have loved to have been able to record a podcast with you during our regular time and put it up Saturday or Sunday. I would have loved to have been able to do that. Unfortunately, I have a job where I work 12 hours a day, um, yeah. you know, for three days straight. And of course, one of the days that I had off was Christmas and Carol and I are trying to fix up the house, um, which is another whole podcast in and of itself. <laughs> um, yeah. But... Uh, the choice of home ownership. Yeah, and it was just like one of the thing. One of the things that I think that our fans really enjoy listening to is you and I and our brutally honest banter, um, and having a conversation with people and letting them know that what they are experiencing in their lives is not too dissimilar to what we're experiencing. Like, right, and, they're and, not alone. Right. I mean, we, I, I like to think that we are the voice that people listen to in the dark when they're driving from point A to point B or when they're commuting. And I hope that they feel as if they're less alone or less crazy um, with right. some of the thoughts that they have about what's going on in the world each week when we do this podcast. Um, and the people who listen to our podcast really like our show because we are just two nerds talking about things that are really important to them and that they can relate and can commiserate with us. Um, yeah. Like in-laws, in-laws who don't understand why we're not, quote, normal, as it were. <laughs> why be normal? I actually have a, a um, I have a, a magnet on my fridge that says, be yourself, everyone else is taken. Exactly. Um, you know. and, and my and my aunt Jenna that I like to bring up once in a while gave me this little sign here that I have up above one of my monitors. Uh, and it says, they laugh at me because I am different. I laugh at them because they are all the same. And she gave that yep. to the, and she gave that to me during a, a specific period of my life a couple of months ago. Not a couple of months ago. Yeah, um, two and a half years ago. Um, because I'm have I have a very contentious relationship with my family. I'm not into the kind of things that normal um, rednecks from Vermont are into. I'm I've always been into books and literature and music, um, and I, I mean and, and I like a, a lot of other pop culture stuff as well. But there are something I like. I can't go to a monster truck rally. Every weekend, you know, you know um, uh, my entire wardrobe does not consist of things made um, solely by by Carhartt. I have other clothes that I wear, and and I've always been more interested in other cultures. I've been interested in in how do people live in other parts of the world, and yeah. um, uh, and I've always sort of been sort of like the black sheep of my family. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'll just come out and say this. Everybody was invited to my mother's 70th birthday party, except for me. 
and um and I didn't go to and I wasn't going to show up to a party where I was not invited. And I was and I was I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I'm not going to say, oh, it's like I'm I'm glad I wasn't invited so I wouldn't have to hang out with those people. No, I uh, I was upset that I wasn't invited to my mother's 70th birthday party and I didn't show up because who wouldn't be right. Um, And I never got a phone call from my mom asking me, how come you weren't at my 70th birthday party? What is wrong? What's going on? And and I didn't call her to say, hey, you know, I'm angry because I just let it go. I'm, I'm done. I'm just going to let it go, and I'm not going to perseverate over it. I disconnected myself from social media that weekend, and I went about my, my life um, and tried to take my mind off of it. And um, when my, my aunt sort of got involved a little bit, and she, and she was a little upset at the situation. And one of the reasons why I was probably not invited to my mother's birthday party was because I am... I am what I am. I am who I am. I'm I am this guy who does this website and this podcast and I'm not I'm um and I am I I am an opinionated asshole, Jay. I don't know if you knew that about me or not. You know, I hadn't noticed that in the past 30 years. Really? I'm yeah. Glad you pointed that out now. What the hell? What the well, fuck, dude? Well, I I've been hiding it very well. Um and there are, there are probably there are some things that I had said um, that was probably not um, wise. There are some opinions that I, maybe I should have kept to myself, but at the same time, I also had um, a falling out um, uh, where I came out and I had said, "You only call me when you need something," and the fact that. <laughs> You want you want me to set myself back and go without while this other family member of mine gets to live high on the hog and live his live his life without any consequences. Right. Um, I'm not I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not I'm not yeah. I'm not doing it anymore. And um, when I need when I need help from from family, I'm told. Go fuck yourself. You made your bed. Now go lie in it. When another member of the family, it's usually the same one or two people who get into trouble. The attitude is all hands on deck. Go get on your work clothes. We got to help this person out. Or this person needs help. How much money can you uh, contribute? What can you do to help this person out, what's the most you can give? What's the most you can donate? What's the how, how? What's the most amount of time you can donate? I needed help moving into our, our house. About um, it was back in two thousand one, January two thousand one. So you do the math. What was it? Nineteen years I ago. Do math. That's more than four. Right. Everybody was busy. Nobody can be bothered. Yeah. Couldn't even get in touch with anybody. So basically, but if they needed some place to store their shit. They knew that my basement door was always opened as a figurative speech. Um, and at some point I said, I'm not well, gonna- quite literally, as I recall, it kind of fell out of the frame at one point. Didn't it? <laughs> That's another <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'm, I'm cleaning. I'm cleaning up around the house. And it's like, oh, the door is the door is kind of. Uh, I don't Seems know. It's a bit loose. A little, little loose. Or- 
and as, as I found out about it from the text message, Jay, my fucking door fell down. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it's like I'm just kind of like jiggling the hand, and next thing you know, the, the whole door fell down on me. But thank God the door was open. <laughs> so that he sort of like fell through me <laughs> or, you know, I kind of felt like I was in a Buster Keaton silent film here. <laughs> but, but I mean, and I was having a conversation with issues that you have with your family during the holidays at, while I was at work. And one of my friends had said, that's what your podcast should be about. You should be, you should do more stuff like about that. And it's like, look, I'm nothing special. I am, I, with the exception of the fact that I dress a little weird, I have a podcast and I talk about things that are, um, every nerd or geek or people who are into pop culture, diesel punk, all have the same problem. They have these uptight, ultra conservative family members. When I mean conservative, I'm not talking about, you know, politics. Yeah, the, the, the people who don't, you know, why can't you just be like everybody else? Right, where a man is a man, a woman is a woman, and kids are seen and not heard. And you need to right. be fit, you need to conform, you need to look at how everybody else is acting and behaving and dressing and what kind of cars they drive, and you need to conform. You need to fit into, there are nine boxes. You're only allowed to be in the first six. You're not allowed to fit into the last three boxes and if you do fit into one of the last three boxes of of non-appropriate lifestyles or um uh, demographics that you belong to you're not welcome at our house for thanksgiving you're not allowed to be here you're not allowed to be in the family photographs you're not allowed to be with the, at, the, at the family outings because you will not conform. Every, so many of our friends and listeners have that problem. We all have the, the arbiter of uptight conservatism that says if you're not going to fit and you're not going to conform, you're not welcome and you're shunned. And when I say you're not alone, that makes other people feel better. Yeah. We, we know what you're going through. Because we've been there ourselves. Um, oh yeah. So um, I just I just say that you just um, create a family of your own with the other misfits in your neighborhood and the other misfits in um, in the family, and you're going to find out that there are a lot of people who feel the same way you do. Like, how is it that everybody has um, members of the family that? They need to make sure you know what they're doing. They need you to know what you're doing. And they get upset if you don't click the like button on Facebook for every little thing that they do. And then when, they, and then when you see them, they're like, oh, what's Eric been up to these last couple of days? What's Eric been up to these last couple of months? Or what's Eric been up to in the last couple of years? How the fuck do you not know? How yeah, you're on Facebook so fucking much. What the hell? I mean, oh, are you still doing that podcast thing? How can I find your podcast? It, it's it, the same place I told you the last 14 times I saw you. Exactly. And it, and it was like, oh, well, how, how, come, how come you didn't give somebody the thumbs up because of, of uh, this thing that they did last weekend? 
Well, because uh, it's asinine and they're <laughs> stupid, you know. And I disagreed with them actually doing that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but everybody, everybody has this. Everybody has these issues. Everybody has that one family member that keeps the TV on one particular news network channel, like the aforementioned MSNBC or Fox News. Everybody has that family member who watches nothing but Fox News. And everything that Fox News says is gospel. Well, Sean Hannity said it, so it must be true. And this is usually the same uncle or, or, or cousin or grandparent that insists on wearing their trucker cap <laughs> to the table at dinner. And, and uh, I'm usually, I'm in a sea of people who are wearing ball caps, either forward-facing or backward ball caps. And there's always that one family member who looks at me wearing my fedora and says, you should take your hat off inside. <laughs> yeah, right? You're like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize we were supposed to have manners. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you know? I mean, now here's the irony to me yeah, about all yeah. this is my dad is a truck driver. Right. My dad has never worn a trucker ball cap in his life he's worn a lot of hats he's right. worn everything from fedoras to those you know the 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 irish peaker peak peaky hats right or irish peak hats whatever they call them right he's worn a fuck ton of different hats in his life including cowboy hats at times yeah although that was mostly done ironically um <laughs> and he has never I, in my life have never seen him wear a trucker cap right. ball cap right and he's a fucking truck driver right. <laughs> you know so it kind of makes me wonder why the hell they call it a trucker cap but you know whatever i mean because it fits the stereotype right but i i think it and it's funny how all of these people who are the ones that are telling you that you know why can't you be normal they're the ones who will then rant and rave and rail against stereotypes it's like <laughs> yeah the fuck you want me to fit a stereotype and then you don't like stereotypes would you make up your mind please because right. i just don't understand where the hell you stand yeah. on this like why can't you be like such and such family member well such and such family member has three venereal diseases and they're working on their second divorce so yeah. i mean <laughs> not to mention the fact that they're just generally an asshole exactly you know? Exactly. If I'm going to be an asshole, I want to be my own kind of asshole. I want to don't want to be that kind of asshole. Exactly. I want to. I want to. I want to be the 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 stereotypical nerdy asshole who uh, gets all upset with people who get all pissy and moany about how awful the 1984 cinematic version of Dune was. And I says, "Well, did you did you read the book? Did you actually read the book? Because the movie only serves as eye candy for people who actually read and enjoyed the book. That's the kind of asshole I want to be." Um, <laughs> now, I do feel the need to point out here that um, I had a very different experience growing up I yeah. think than than most people I never saw anyone in my family ostracizing other people I mean I know I've had now I come from a huge family my right. mom is one of 11 my dad is one of four on um, my mom's side of the family I have at last count 
something in the neighborhood of 120 blood relatives, and yeah. that doesn't include like their spouses, right? Yeah. So it's a huge fucking family. Yeah. And there are people who like hang out together because of common interests. Right. But I never experienced or witnessed in my family people being ostracized. Dude, you're um, missing out. <laughs> apparently, apparently Thanksgiving at, at my house was completely different than what most people experienced, according to every right. single pop culture reference in the world. Yeah. But so it's not I, I I understand that due to those pop culture references, but I've never experienced it myself. Yeah. And I'm a little well, more than a little. I'm spoiled by that. Yeah, you are. Um, and I but I, I do recognize that, you know, I mean, you're not my only friend who rants about his his family yeah you know oh shit aunt martha's at it again or whatever you know yeah. you're not the only one that of my friends that's that rants about that so i i recognize that it's an unusual thing um it's kind of sad state though isn't it if that's what the stereotypical american holiday is there is a great skit um from saturday night live with eddie murphy where he's standing at the, the most recent one, or are you talking yes. about the, one of the classics? No, I'm okay. talking because um, Eddie Murphy set a whole bunch of records by being um, uh, a guest host on Saturday Night Live this weekend. Um, and, Ed, and Eddie Murphy being on Saturday Night Live reminded me of why Saturday Night Live was such essential viewing during the 80s and maybe even the early oh, 90s. Yeah. And and um, he's standing up and he's giving a toast and he's going around the table saying we're so happy you're here <laughs> and then this cutaway and then the cutaway scene to reality of like you know what what had happened like the day before or what happened during like when the family is all together and it was just like I mean life is not Norman Rockwell life but life is not Stephen King either life is right. a combination of um, Norman Rockwell and Stephen King. There are a lot of things that happen, and that's just human. And it's not. It's nothing. It has. It's nothing special about my family. There's nothing special about my family whatsoever. It's every single name. Name a family that you know of that you think is perfect. And oh yeah, and I guarantee you they have shady shit going on that w would really make you think twice about idolizing them. Um, right. You know, and that's, that's where like in, like you never know what's going on with people on the street. Like right. I, I, you and I grew up in small towns. I think yeah. the town I grew up in was smaller than, than yours. You grew up in yeah. Brattleboro, right? right. Just outside Brat Brattleboro. Brattleboro, Brattleboro is more like it's, a, it's, uh, it's not, is it a small city? Or is it a village? But it's... Right. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a small town. I mean, when we moved there in 75 or 6 or whenever the hell we moved there, um, there was literally like 400 people in the right. town. Right. There were more dogs than there were people in the town. <laughs> um, Meaning <laughs> canines, not ugly chicks. We're talking canines. Right, right. We're talking the actual four-legged, all furry kind of thing, and not furry as in. Oh, my name is Starpuff. I mean, we're talking actual canine dogs, but um, 
And there was this family that lived in town, and I'm not going to mention their names. But I joined, you know, they were, they had this member of the family. There was uh, two brothers, and they both lived in the town, and they were married, and they had kids. And this one kid of one of the younger brother was, he was a little weird. Right. You know, um, not that anyone... I mean, I, he was a couple years behind me in school. He was in my sister's class. Uh, and, she, you know, I guess he was probably bullied, I'm guessing. I don't yeah. really know for certain on that. My sister never really mentioned whether he was or not. But I remember being in the Coast Guard and going home on leave and, and visiting with my family. And they were like, oh, so you missed all the excitement. I'm like, oh, what excitement? This kid apparently went to college came back with a friend of his and asked his mom if she would give him money so he could go to spring break. And she said, no, we can't afford it. Um, we're barely affording your schooling at the moment. So, you know, we're just, you're not going to be able to go to spring break to Cancun or wherever the hell he wanted to go. So he and his friend killed her, um, stabbed her something like 10 times or some shit like that and put her body, just threw it, like didn't put it in the basement, like opened yeah. up the basement door and threw it down the stairs. And then they started playing video games and they waited until his dad come home. Yeah. And when he got home, they asked him the same question. Hey, can, can you give me money? I want to go to Cancun for, for spring break. And when he said no, because it's funny how when your parents are having financial difficulties, it doesn't matter which parent you talk to. They're still having the same difficulties. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he, they killed his dad, and then they proceeded to start tearing the house apart, looking for where they were hiding the cash. It's like he didn't realize there was this thing called a bank or something. And so my dad's telling me this story, and they caught the kid because one of the three police officers in town, two of which were volunteers, by the way. They only had one cop that was actually professionally paid. Um happened to be driving by the house on his way home one night or the night after it happened, so 24 hours after the murders happened, driving past the house, saw all these strange lights in the house that was just out of character. So we went up and knocked on the door. The kid answered the door. He still had blood on him. Sweet Jesus. Right? So weird shit goes on in small towns sometimes. You yeah. know, and you, you never know what's going on. You know, like I, I knew I knew the older brother um, through various common activities. Like we used to play volleyball at the middle school or yeah. elementary school or whatever. You know, so I, I knew him from various things that I was involved with in the town. I didn't know the younger brother, the, the one who died very much. Right. But, you know, you just – you never know what's going on in someone else's life. You never yeah. know what's happening yeah. with them. Yeah. So, I, you I, know, I mean, we may we may rant and rave about, oh, my family did this kind of thing or right. what. And at the same time, knowing that we're not alone. Right. But then at the same time, there's sometimes when you're getting pissed off at your family and you take a step back and you go, well, you know, at least we're not like the Rockefellers. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the Clintons. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, can you imagine what Thanksgiving for, for Chelsea's like? Oh, I, you know, I don't know. 
I, I, I was, do I actually say anything about what Thanksgiving must be like for the Clintons, especially Chelsea? You know, I, I don't. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, take away all of the political bullshit, right? right you right. know, Chelsea's like what in her? She's in her mid twenties now, think, maybe th- no, almost thirty. She's almost, she's almost forty now. There was a huge. Is article. She really so? She, yeah. So now she's sitting at dinner, and they're married. They probably she's married. I think she has a kid, right? Two. And she has two kids. You know. She has two kids. So yeah, she's 30, you know, she's she was, sitting down at dinner, the grandkids are at the grandkid table, and you know, Hillary's sitting there. You know, by the time I was your age, I was I had already been part of the um the Whitewater investigation and your father was governor of Arkansas. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, say what you want about the Clintons. They got a lot they got they went a lot of places right with their lives you know yeah. what i mean and you got to wonder what that's like growing up as a child in that family it really does it's just, it it, it it's, really that's does it's just fucking weird and also you got to contend with the fact that mom is still pissed over dad's most recent public affair you know <laughs> you're right <laughs> well what about dad's friend shut up we don't talk about that <laughs> I saw this painting of you, Dad. Shut up. <laughs> hey, hey, you know? I, Dad, Dad, I was I was listening to this podcast. It's called the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show News of the Week with Eric and Jay. Um, and they say that Vince Foster is really my dad. Is that true? Pass the gravy. <laughs> Just shut up and pass the gravy. You know. I tell you, those people... <laughs> I'm gonna, One of these days, Hillary, I'm just gonna. <laughs> you could just. I mean, uh, is, is this is this the proper? Is this the right time for me to have one of my horrible presidential impressions, or <laughs> do I spare our listeners today? <laughs> I don't know. It's the holiday season. Should we be in a giving mood? <laughs> <laughs> be in a giving mood by keeping it to yourself, Eric. Um, <laughs> We're giving you the gift of sanity this year. <laughs> We're giving you the gift of silence. Um, <laughs> guys, I mean, you just, you just, I mean, you think about dysfunctional families and then you think about uh, uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas with the Trumps. Whereas, <laughs> oh my God, imagine, imagine you're, you're, you're sitting at the table and there's uh, Don Jr., Eric Trump, Ivanka Trump, Tiffany What's Trump, the, the little kid Baron Trump, and Baron right? Trump. Older sons are kind of like looking down at the at the younger son, and says, "Well, you know, um, when we were your age, we were already hustling, you know, uh, to get land deals done with Dad. And uh, our most recent fiasco is is that we aided, we we had we enlisted the help." of some foreign dignitaries to help us rig an election. What the hell are you doing, little shit? <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. What have you been doing with your life? Are you still obsessed with it? high score on Xbox for uh, <laughs> Mario Kart or whatever the hell. <laughs> are, you obs- are you still obsessed with the baby Yoda? I mean... <laughs> if Which, you- by the way, The Mandalorian, I saw the last episode recently. It was fucking awesome. Well, let me ask you something because there's some, there's another piece of yeah. business that we wanted to get to, and I actually wanted to save it for last. 
I don't know what your okay. schedule looks like. Um, yeah. Do we want? <laughs> it's it's a holiday. <laughs> I want to either we we're either going to tease this and save it for the end of the show because Tony's counting on us. Uh-huh. Um. Or do we do we want to just quickly do a little bit of pop culture? Have you seen Rise of Skywalker yet? I have not seen Rise of Skywalker, okay. and I've got a number of people, you among them, who have told me that I absolutely have to see yeah. it. Yeah, um, and not in the same way that I said you absolutely have to see Howard the Duck. Not right, and not like the way you told me I had to go see Cats <laughs> because I think you were mad at me when you said that. So. <laughs> Oh yeah. Speaking of furries, but <laughs> well, let's let's sort of wrap up this podcast and talk for the next forty minutes about pop culture news. <laughs> but I I do want to put I want to put a cap on the issues with families on the holidays. When you look at somebody who looks like they're doing all of this bragging and they're telling you about all these great things that their kids are doing and that they're doing this and they're doing that. And it's so easy for me to say, hey, you know what? F you. Okay. You're not that special. You're not that important. But if you look at it and you read between the lies, it's also like, you know, it could also be a cry for help, meaning... This is all I have in my life. This is all that I have going on in my life. What I really need is for people to reach out to me and ask me about how I'm doing. And and right. And because the thing is is that if you have somebody who they spend all this time bragging about what their kids are up to um and they say nothing about themselves. What what they're what they're really trying to say is is the, is that you know Am I, am, aren't I important too? Because aren't, you know, everybody, everybody's doing all of this stuff and I'm here bragging about what everybody else is doing. Am I, am I more than am just I still relevant? Am I still relevant or is this my, is this, is this it for me? I'm just the cheerleader for somebody else's uh, uh, accomplishments and um, what they're doing. Um, and I think it, I think it's sort of important that when you when you get those Christmas cards or those Christmas letters, sort of read between the lines and reach out to somebody and say, you know, thanks for sending us that letter. That was really nice to hear and, and catch up with you and what's what's going on in your life. Um, right. And, and, and the what, other thing, too, to bear in mind is that the holiday seasons are also the highest seas- incidence of suicide. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so keep you know before you before you like you know start ripping into a family member who seems to be a little little too full of themselves. Think about the fact that that's really all that they have. This is the part of the year that they look forward to the most, so they can share with everybody what everybody else is doing. But what they really might be saying is that hey, you know, um, I, I I I I need somebody to reach out to me and say hey, you know, how are you doing? What are you doing i don't want to hear about what your i don't want to hear what your husband is doing i don't want to hear about what your kids are doing what about you what are you doing what's important in your life besides celebrating everybody else's accomplishment and don't be don't be afraid to say and this is what i've been up to the last year this is what i've been doing exciting stuff as well 
um, because it's you know, it's it's you know the emails, uh, Twitter, Facebook posts, letters. It's it's all a two way street, and give people the benefit of the doubt when they're when they're trying to celebrate what they're doing, and and um, don't think that they're only about themselves like I used to. I used to be like I, I used. And I'm still a prick. I'm not going to lie. Um, but there are time, there are. <laughs> Don't take this the wrong way, but you're our prick. <laughs> I've had I've I've had almost 50 years of practice, Jay. Um, but the thing, but the thing is, is that when people are reaching out to you and sharing everything that they're that they're, they're doing, it's not that there's just so much bragging. Is that they're 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 trying to be relevant. Especially like the elderly people or the or the older people in our lives who spend a lot of time telling you about what all everything that their kids are up to and all their kids' or great accomplishments or their or grandkids whatever. and yeah. all of their great accomplishments. Um, what they're really trying to do is most of the time, I believe, is that they're looking for a way to say, I still matter. I'm still contributing to the family and society by doing this, you know, and, and don't. Don't be like me and and look for reasons to be offended when there's no real reason to be offended. Um, just because people are bragging doesn't mean because they're bragging about their kids. That doesn't mean that they're necessarily putting you down. So that's the epiphany, right. that's the epiphany that I had this weekend. So um, well, I had um, my ex girlfriends uh, from high school, friends with her on Facebook. Her brother and I, her older brother and I had gotten along and we're friends on Facebook and everything. And he recently posted a picture of his grandchildren sitting in the lap of his grandmother. Yeah. That's five generations yeah. of a family. Yep. And to me, I mean, that's a that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, I mean that's that is something worth celebrating to me, you know, that you've got a family that, first of all, that kind of longevity, um, you know, and, and that kind of closeness that they're able to get together like that on the holidays. I think that's, that's just a right. freaking awesome thing and it's worth celebrating. Right. You know what I mean? Um, so on top of the whole, you know, everyone's relevant kind of thing. And paying attention to the elderly and paying attention just everyone in your life, really. Yeah. Give them the attention you would want them to give you. Right. You know? Appreciate what you have. Yeah. Of all the things that he could have been bragging about in his life, he chose to brag about the fact that he still has his grandmother able to sit with his grandchildren. Yeah. You know, and that, I don't know, that's that impressed really impressed me on where his priorities right. in life are. Right. Right. Um, yeah. also, and just to get back to Don Imus for a second in doing show yep. prep for this. I watched the last, like, um, CBS Sunday morning special they had on Don Imus before he retired. And uh, mm-hmm. there was a point in it. Whereas why, why did the interviewer doing the voiceover, have to tell about how Don Imus had to let you know that he drives from one part of his ranch to the other part of his ranch in a Bentley. Why did you have to make a point 
to tell me that. Seriously. Yeah, by the way, that ranch that he has kids who survive cancer come out to and they don't spend a dime to go out there. Right. They learn what it's like to be a cowboy working on an actual working ranch and they get treated not as special kids because they have cancer, but just as fucking people. Right. And yeah, I mean. No, he sold. Why did you feel the. Yeah, he sold that ranch, Jay, because he fell off his horse and he could no longer manage it. And, and when they were doing the Sunday morning special, this is about the ranch that he's living. I think he's that now that ranch is in it was in somewhere in Texas, I believe. Uh, he had to get yeah. he, he had to get rid of the, the, the Imus ranch for kids with cancer because of an of an accident that he had. But I thought that that was very telling. Like he had to you had to know. That was very important that he drives a Bentley from one part of his ranch to the other part of the ranch. What does that tell you about him and where he's About Don Imus or the interviewer? Um, Take your pick. Why did they have to tell you that? Don Imus, to my understanding, he grew up really poor. Right. So him him bringing that up makes sense to me because it's like, look how far I've come in my life. And I get that. Right. I understand him wanting to be proud of that. I really do. Yeah. Um, why did the interviewer fellow was important? Because eh, he's an asshole. Right. I mean, I don't. I don't <laughs> or shape. Maybe he brought it up just because Don Imus brought it up. So he felt, well, it was important to right. Don Imus. So I should bring it up. You right. know what I mean? I don't right. know. I don't know what the motivations are. When, pe- when, when people insist that, you know the brand names of the products that they use and how expensive those products are. They're telling you something about themselves. It's not necessarily about how empty and shallow they are, but it could also be about how incredibly painfully lonely they are. And it would be so easy to just light this person up and say, wow, what an a-hole for making a big, huge deal about this. And, oh, look at me, how special I am. It could also be that they're crying out because their lives are so empty. So, anyway, let's, let's, let's talk for a second about um, the rise of Skywalker. And this okay. is probably going to be one of the most controversial parts of the podcast. Oh, I, boy. Okay? Oh, boy. I did not think that The Last Jedi, from, what, two years ago was really all that bad. There were aspects really? there were aspects of it that annoyed the hell out of me. There were it's not the worst Star Wars movie I've ever seen, Jim. Okay, well, well hold on. When you say movie, define movie for me. It's like you actually have to go and see it in the movie theater. Okay, so we're not including the holiday specials. We're not including the holiday specials. We're not talking about a return to Ewok Village or anything like that. We're not talking about okay. any of the ABC specials. We're not. Um, uh, and I will. And and I will be honest with you. There are aspects of Return of the Jedi that still bother me to this day. Oh yeah. Um. One word. Ewoks. Ewok is a yeah. four-letter word, isn't it? Yes, it is. Okay. Ewok is a four-letter word. Um, There are aspects to a lot of George Lucas's movies 
that irritate the hell out of me. Um, whereas I, it went from, and you could see when when Gary Kurtz left George Lucas Lucasfilm and Lord George Lucas's company, you could see yeah. where it was all about the storytelling. And then it went from just being a vet, a vehicle or a vessel for selling toys. Um, and you could really sort of see that, that it's like almost as if George Lucas fell off the horse and, and hurt his head and went back to making movies yeah. with still, I mean, um, his divorce from his wife, his first wife, really messed him up in the, in, in the early 80s, really messed him up really bad. Yeah. And you can see where it, it like his his first set of movies where he was I mean they were very if you watch them with a mindful eye about what was going on at the time looking at THX 1138 which is he took the his favorite parts of 1984 and Brave New World put them in a blender and put his own spin on it it's a right. it's a brilliant dystopian film that you could really only watch a couple of times before you get really depressed American graffiti, <laughs> American graffiti is very subversive, and there's a lot of things that you have to watch. Where you you're watching the end of innocence and the death of of people's child's childhoods in this movie. You're watching the like the one yeah. night when people they stop being teenagers and they be, become young adults, and you also have to watch the scroll throughs when you see what happens after to all of these characters afterwards it's it, it it messes you up star wars was really about american capitalism it was about uh, the, the 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 um the the fall of the british which is Empire. ironic yeah <laughs> it was it was it was really what they were really george lucas was talking about vietnam he was talking about kent state he was talking world about world war ii world war ii he was as the spanish-american war he was talking about the fall of the uh, the, the fall of the Roman Empire. Um, did I mention Kent State, Watergate? Yes. Co the corruption that was going on in in American politics at the time, all wrapped up in in this space adventure, as it were. Follow that up with the Empire Strikes Back, which is it, which is a incredible commentary about how it's another it's. It's a parallel with American graffiti about the loss of innocence. And when you're not, no longer a kid and you realize bad things happen to good people. And that um, if you're, and here's the message, if you're not careful, you could make the same mistakes your father made in trying to build a legacy. And I also talk about this in a podcast that I did with John Pica and Larry Emyet. Whereas... There are parallels with The Empire Strikes Back and Amazon's Man in the High Castle, where the dad made all of these bad decisions for, quote, the, the right reasons. And he tried to get his kid into the, quote, family business, unquote, and failed miserably and only made things worse. By trying to build a legacy for his kid, he wound up sacrificing the relationship with his kid. And by trying to get the kid to join him, just made their relationship worse. Um, and The Empire Strikes Back, if you look at it, also has parallels with his estranged relationship with his own dad. You gotta you look at that. Then you have the, um, the then you have Raiders of the Lost Ark. 
And that is also, it's a very anti, it's anti-authoritarian, very subversive film. Um, and it talks about this guy, is this, this college professor who's a bit of a rebel. And he's called upon to do yep. this impossible thing. And when he does the impossible thing, for apparently the right side, he also gets screwed. There's an aspect to the Raiders yep. of the Lost Ark, whereas... Um, who are the bad guys? Who are the bad guys? And everything is all about the degree of evil and secrecy and whatnot. And then something happens to George Lucas. Right, uh, He's no longer partners with, or he's no longer making movies with Gary Kurtz. There's a great interview that you got to watch, uh, listen, read with Gary Kurtz talking about what happened to George Lucas. George Lucas goes ahead. He makes Return of the Jedi, which is trying to do all of these things all at once that should have taken maybe two, two more Star Wars episodes to do. And it was very heavy in... in the toys and George Lucas tried to capitalize the market on savage teddy bears with the Ewoks and there's it's and it's a happy-go-lucky melancholy ending to the movie but there's there's something missing it's missing the grit of Star Wars and the Empire Strikes Back the original Star Wars a new hope blah 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 makes Temple of Doom where he where he takes out his frustration of his divorce and his, his attitudes towards women in Temple of Doom. And then there's Howard the Duck. And we don't talk about Howard the Duck that much. <laughs> Howard the Duck was his exploration with cocaine and alcohol. <laughs> and, maybe, and, and maybe some hallucinogenic drugs. There's no way that you can explain Howard the Duck to people without, without the context of what's going on with George Lucas. And it was like George Lucas is a is an awful filmmaker when he's doing everything on his own. He it has to be a collaboration with people who are not afraid to tell him no. One of the reasons why yeah one of the reasons why the Last Crusade was such a great movie because it was a collaborative effort between it was an equal co partnership between him and Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg's yep. not afraid to say George that's not going to work or that's just freaking cheesy and then you look at the, the the phantom menace attack of the clones and revenge of the sith george lucas is using those movies as a test bed for a future computer animation he tried to be an innovator and he forgot to sort of like tell the part of the story that he wanted to tell and the, in close examination Phantom Menace falls apart because, and, and my friend Brett had mentioned this, if Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon are able to run really super fast in the beginning of the movie when they're running away from the droid decas, how come Obi-Wan is not able to run super fast through those closing, opening and closing um, uh, 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 shield doors, those yeah, you know, energy the radiation shield thing, radiation thing shield at the end. Doors. Yeah, how come he's not able to run super fast through that? And it was, and you look at somebody like the buildup of all of these characters, like Darth Maul. Darth Maul was killed way too. He was built up to be the super villain, and he ends up dying like a bitch. You know. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean. When you get into like the storytelling element of it and, and you leave out the inconsistency, Darth Maul had to die for Obi-Wan Kenobi to become Obi-Wan Kenobi. Right. So for storytelling reasons, that's why he had to die the way he did. Um, 
just like you know they hyped up a lot of Boba Fett a lot in the run up to the Empire yeah. Strikes Back, and then he had a total of like five minutes of screen time in which he really didn't do shit. Right. If you think about it, what did he do? Not a lot. Not a lot at all. He followed him and then tattletailed on him. Right. He didn't do anything. We don't see him actually doing anything in action until Return of the Jedi. And then he gets taken out by a blind guy. Yeah. Who accidentally whacks, turns on his uh, his jetpack, and he can't turn it off. Yeah, exactly. There seems to be, so, there yeah. seems to be a lot of just bad just bad storytelling well yeah and there's there's logical inconsistencies and yeah like the the new trilogy the sequel trilogy one of the problems with the sequel trilogy in my opinion is that um there's no hero of a thousand faces right filter applied to it ray never struggles learning the force yeah. She's able to manipulate minds because she's heard she should be able to do it. So she's able to do it. If anything, she behaves more like a chosen one than either Luke or Anakin ever did. Yeah. Because she never struggles with anything. And some people are saying she's a Mary Sue. I don't know if that's possible. Um, I never really think of it that way. Um, but where's her struggles? Where? What does she struggle with? Oh, she lost her kid, her parents as a kid. Right. right. How does that affect her? How does that change the way she handles anything throughout the movies? It really doesn't. You know, she has a tragic backstory that is completely irrelevant. It's like, you know, some fucking middle schooler made her um, thinking they were being all emo and shit. And it's a role playing game. Yeah. You know? Because what does she struggle with? She hand, she can fly the Millennium Falcon as well as Han Solo can. Right. She can fix the Millennium Falcon as well as Han Solo can. How does someone who's basically it's a scrap junk, yeah, a junker, right? How does she know how to fix a hyperdrive? Oh well, that's a power of the Force. Okay, so she's got all the powers of the Force that Anakin Skywalker did, the fucking chosen one, right? The child of prophecy. Right. But she's not a child of prophecy. That you know so of. There's, that you know of. Yeah. And there's a whole there's a whole Right, bunch and of, I haven't I have not seen the last the last movie and please don't ruin it for me. Well so. you know, the how can I how can I say this without ruining the movie? Um they do a it's it's a Star Wars movie. Okay? Yeah. And I think that since Return of the Jedi, Return of the Jedi sort of started this sort of this um, tradition of deus ex machina, whereas something happens at the last minute. There's a last minute revelation and you're like, oh, it all makes sense now. Sarcasm. And it it is literally space opera. It's a space soap opera. And don't fool yourself. Don't kid yourself. It's been a space opera or a space soap since opera one, yeah. since pretty much when George Lucas started to retcon some of the things that he was trying to do within the original trilogy. 
like the, the the oh it turns out that Luke and Leah are hand are, shot first hand shot first that's that's one example but oh wait oh wait a minute Luke and Leah are actually brother and sister <gasps> and they're twins <gasps> you know that's kind of like that's yeah. a little you got to admit that's a little bullshit that's like pull that out of your ass at the last minute and it's a little creepy and a right. little weird don't you think oh if Obi-Wan knew what the fuck he was doing he would have said hey Luke look Okay, calm those hormones down. That's your sister, you dumbass. Um, there's a lot of things that George Lu- in the ori- in the original trilogy, George Lucas does some crappy things in the name of quote telling a story, and that's sort right. of like the pattern. That's sort of like the rhythm of it all. There are some there are some th- there are some revelations that occur during this movie, which is kind of like if it if. If it was any other series, you'd say, oh, that's BS. Right. Um, um, but you're able to, it. it's allowed to happen within Star Wars because of what George Lucas did with, in between Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. Um, what, I, what I thought was amazing is how J.J. Abrams was able to pick up the broken pieces of The Last Jedi, which I didn't I didn't think it was as bad as a lot of people made it out to be. I mean, I'm not going to lie. Well, as a as a movie, it was it's extremely entertaining. It is. It really is. Right. But it falls apart in a lot of different ways. Right. Like, you know, oh, we're being chased by the bad guys. Well, we're going to go to a casino right. and on we'll, a world that's like 30 fucking days away. Right. And you guys hold on because we need to get a hacker. Right. There's a lot of that. That is, there was a lot of bad storytelling within The Last Jedi. That if you, right. look, if you look at it and if you over-examine it too much, it falls apart. And I'm not making excuses for it. I'm saying it's, it's, there are aspects of the storytelling that are bad and almost ruins the film. But there are a lot of moments where I was like, it, it it made me emotional in the last Jedi. Yeah. There's a lot of things like this is like like um, Jesus. Did Carrie Fisher die before I saw um, yes. um the last she, Jedi? She she died before it was released. Okay, I'm trying to think of the timeline here. Um, that's how bad it is. I think that she died shortly before, right after. She died was right after filming, but before the movie was released. Right, something like that. Right. Um, she I, during post production. I think so, yeah, and it was and it and it was emotional thinking that this is I'm never going to I'm never going to have the experience as I, that I had as a film goer when I was a kid. Star Wars, Episode Four, New Hope, just the original classic Star Wars was an amazing you've never seen anything like it before in 1977 it was I mean it was such a phenomenon that when they re-released when they literally released the movies they and they re-released them that was also a cultural experience like none other am I am I am I wrong am I um, oh no, you're you're spot on. I mean, especially for 
the people of our generation wanting to share it with our children. I remember right. taking my kids to see the re-release in the theater. Yeah. Because you can't you can't appreciate some things on the small screen like you can on the big screen. Right. Right. It's the same reason why, you know, when Casablanca is released in the theaters, I make sure I go see it. Right. Because there are things you notice Things you see, there's something about that experience of sitting in that theater seat that you can't match at home, no matter how big your fucking television is. Yeah. Or how nice the seating arrangements are. Yeah. Um, there's something that happens to us mentally when we right. pay that ticket and go and sit in the there's theater. something. There's something about the communal experience, as it were. And I'm trying. I'm trying right. to get. I'm trying so hard to get to the rise of Skywalker without being oh, spo- sorry. Without being a spoil spoily bitch. No, you're fine. You. I mean, you're 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 emphasizing the point that I'm trying to make. Because when you're in the theater, there are some things that happen that you sort of kind of forgive. You sort of forgive right. some uh, some bad choices that they make, and then when you watch it again and again and again on home video, and you start to see the cracks in the storytelling, um, it's not as it's not as obvious when you see it like the first time because you're caught up with the emotion of it all. And I kind of think that Ryan Johnson sort of took advantage of the fact that when you're in the theater and you're having the communal experience, um. You're going to you're going to forgive things that like you wouldn't forgive if this is a, like a regular TV show. Um, right. J.J. Abrams took the took the broken pieces of um, the Last Jedi, and you, it's sort of symbolic when you see Kylo's Kylo Ren's helmet being put back together. Um, and there's a lot there's a lot of moments where it's just like. Wow, that's that's a really brave, creative decision that he made. And there's a lot of things like I mean, the thing is, is like if and, and I'll edit this out. I mean, Jay, you know that if if you think this is too spoilerish, tell me and I will edit this out. You know, the emperor comes back somehow, right? Well, yeah, that laugh at the end of one of the trailers kind of okay. gave that away. Okay. Um. When you see, when you see how J.J. Abrams reintroduces the Emperor, you're like, "Wow, that's that's a really sort of creative way that he did that. He pulled that together, and he did it in such a way that it pulls back from a line from Revenge of the Sith, and it was like the precedence has has already been made, sort of." Okay. All right. And it was and it, I, no, I haven't seen the movie, so don't get too much further into it. Right. That. And the thing is is it, it it's and you and you see things and you realize we've been fucked with as an audience and Kylo Ren's been fucked with as a character for about 5 or 6 years now. And there's and and it you're sort of like, "Oh my god, I cannot believe that they did that." And A, I didn't see that happening, or B, wow, that's a really great way to retcon some 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 dumb shit. The way that he does this thing without being too spoilerish is sort of like Ryan Johnson should not have been involved with a Star Wars movie ever. Ever. It, it should have always been J.J. Abrams, um, the guy who is also the... Um, 
the executive story editor. He's he's been in charge. It's not Dave Filoni, is it? Mm, um, it could be Dave Filoni. I don't know who you're talking about in particular, but Dave Filoni. He's still he's involved with the Mandalorian. He's been involved with Star Wars for quite okay. some time. All right. I'll, I I will I will I will say this. I mean. Okay, Dave Filoni. Chris Terrio, Colin Trevorrow, Derek Connolly, and J.J. Abrams did this story. Okay. J.J. Abrams, Dave Filoni, and John Favreau should be in charge of making Star Wars product, as it were. And they should have, it should only have been those three people since The Force Awakens. Since, okay? Yeah, since... Since Disney bought it. Since Disney bought it. They should have found their own. Um, you know how Marvel has this one create this the, the, this one guy. Yeah, Kevin Feige. They have to find their own Kevin Feige. Don't take Kevin Feige yeah. away from Marvel and put him in Star Wars. Make Dave Filoni or John Favreau your Kevin Feige. Okay? And yeah. and have them like have them map out an entire trilogy. From beginning to end, don't have one guy do episode one, have somebody else do episode two, and totally F up person number three's plans for doing episode three. Have have a, like what Tolkien did with The Lord of the Rings. He told one story. He told one story, and and, and that it, there are these threads that run congruent and there is an obvious beginning middle and end and it's coherent it's coherent storytelling where you go from um uh you go from the force awakens that's got that's that's got a good story going and then you hit the this huge fucking bump in the road called the last jedi yeah. and then you have to spend 45 minutes of the first the the la- the third film to a undo the fuck up in the second film and then go on and pick up the story w- where it should have left off it's like a, a lot of the first 45 minutes in this movie was spent undoing some of the shit from the second movie does that make any sense at all yeah no it does and, and they kind of needed to and does it in such a in such a way that a I admire J.J. Abrams' craftsmanship. I really do. I admire his craftsmanship. But the thing is, is that um, there are aspects to The Last Skywalker that sort of redeems The Last Jedi, but it also makes you a little angry at Ryan Johnson for what he did with that movie. And Ryan Johnson yeah. does not help matters at all. Bad-mouthing the critics of The Last Jedi on Twitter. And saying, oh, you don't... No, he doesn't. No. Although I, I will say this. As a filmmaker, Ryan Johnson is not a bad filmmaker. No. He did uh, a movie called Knives Out that I went and saw fairly recently. Yeah. And it is a fantastic movie. So the guy knows how to make a movie. Right. He just shouldn't have been allowed near Star Wars is the problem. Right. Right. And I think that that was a major mistake. Well, I have heard some people saying that it's Kathleen Kennedy wanted to deconstruct a lot of the Star Wars... Uh, tropes and mythos okay and so that was that was the 
mandate that was given to Ryan Johnson, right. which only further goes to show you that you need to have a single coherent vision right. for it. Right. Because if you're going to do all of that, the place and time to do that would have been The Force Awakens. Right. Not the second act. You've yeah. got to do that in the first act. Right. You've got to grab everyone by the balls and say, look, this is not your father's Star Wars. Yeah. But it's still Star Wars. Right. And you're going to fucking enjoy it and do it well. Because if you do it in the middle act, it is out of place. It, it is really... out of, yeah, it's out of flavor yeah. with the rest of it. Right. Right. It's like the wrong kind of key change in the middle of a song, if I can draw a musical illusion, which yeah. most people probably don't yeah. know what the fuck I'm talking yeah. about. Um, <laughs> I do what I what I do think is that there are aspects of this movie that um, were predictable. Like you knew that you knew that you were going to go from A to B to C to D to E to F. I didn't skip any letters, did I? I do that sometimes. Um, yeah. You knew that there were certain beats that had to, you had right. to go through, and that, and there are aspects of this movie that really sort of play it really safe. Um, and it's like it's everything that a Star Wars movie ought to be, no more, no less. It's everything that a Star Wars movie has to be, while at the same time trying to fix some of the f-ups in the last jedi the second movie of the of this of the series i think that if you're a star wars fan i think that you should go and see it in the theater at least once because i have a feeling with what's happened with these movies i think that they're not going to be making a lot of them in the near future because of of the controversy now well I, I know that Disney has flat out said that they're done with the Skywalker saga for now. For now. So they're not when the next Star Wars movies we get are going to be one-offs like Rogue One right. or Solo. Now, a lot of people despise Solo. I really fucking enjoyed Solo. Yeah. I thought it was a very enjoyable film. Was it a great film? No. It was a fun film. That was it. Um, but that is not necessarily a bad thing either. It was like, yeah. you know, um, go ahead. It, it, it was, to be honest with you, it was American graffiti in space <laughs> to, to an extent, which is kind of, which is kind it was, which is appropriate for the background first hand solo. Right. It, it really was. And it's not, and it's not, it is it, again, it, it was, um, how, how can you, how can you say this, um, without being, um, insulting to the audience. Um, it was exactly what it needed to be for an origin movie, and that you knew that you knew that these characters were going to live by the end of the movie. So they're really right. it, uh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, on, and and it's the exact opposite of Rogue One. Rogue One, you knew if you paid any attention, you knew that. If they were going after, once you found out they were going after the Death Star plans, they were all dying. Or at least the vast majority of them were going to die. You also knew that there was going to be Darth Vader showing up. There was a lot of things that you could predict about it. And it was a definitely more, had to be of necessity, a more darker tale. It really did. There had to be certain things that, because, I mean, 
let's just be honest. These people do not show up in future Star Wars movies. I mean, talking about Rogue One. Right. You know that something had right. something something bad had to happen to these people, because um, you you can't have a Rogue Two, or I don't know, could you? Could you have a Rogue Two with a whole bunch of brand new characters? And if you're going to use any of these characters again, you have to have prequels, which is why they're going to be um, a Cassian Andor series on uh, Disney Plus, which I hope is as good as The Mandalorian and as good as Rogue I One. Keep in mind that I'm, and a, I hope it's, I hope it's as dark as Rogue One. Oh, I hope so too. I I honestly hope it is, um, but also at the same time, and I and, I'm, and without saying this, without getting off track, you have this huge opportunity to create a brand new phenomenon with Star Wars: The Old Republic. They could, they could, they could do a three or a six or a nine part series on just the old Republic. Well, but now you're running into a problem where, um, how far back do they go? Cause a lot of that cover territory has been covered with video games. Right. And if they don't show the stuff in the video games, if they pull the shit where they're like, yep, we're just gonna make up our own stuff. Everything you saw in the video games is nothing. Right. You're going to piss off a lot of people. So you better damn well deliver so far surpassing expectations that you it, it becomes imp- an impossible task don't, that no one could follow through with. Don't retcon um, the established yeah. the established quote canon as it were from um, the the uh, the old Republic books and video games that they already um, that they already made. They have these great Old Republic books. They have these great, the, uh, not the entire video game, as it were, um, which is kind of like, I guess it's kind of like Diablo, but for Star Wars fans. If I'm wrong, tell me. There's this, there, uh, like, Star Wars The Old Republic? Yeah, the video the game. The MMO? Yeah. Not really. It's, um, okay. there's, there is a storyline that you follow. It is, Kind of like Diablo, but for Star Wars fans, uh, but not really. It, right. There is a story that's being told there, and it is more open-ended. Like Knights of the Old Republic is more the one that they really can't fuck with. Right. Um, Star Wars The Old Republic, the video game, they can get away with because everyone kind of knows that it's, you know, as an MMO you have a storyline that's catering to the player characters yes and no one's player character is going to show up in a movie right is what it boils down to and everyone pretty much knows that but there's lore that's created as part of that that LucasArts um was part of creating Mm -hmm. that lore right so they can't Whereas they can ignore necessarily the storyline of the video game, they can't and shouldn't ignore the lore that was created along with the creation of the video game. Yeah. And they created like 4,000 years of history and lore right. as part of the development of that game. So that's where they have to be careful. Right. There's a lot of good things that they've already created that they should not be throwing out. Correct. Okay. Correct. And I think that... Um, they really ought to be focusing on doing something with that material, as it were. 
and not do right. what not not do not do what they did with the Timothy Zahn stuff. The the, the Timothy um, Zahn books. Yeah, the, yeah, Thrawn. Oh yes. my god, that was that was some great material that they threw out. It was phenomenal. And, and they said, oh, well, they, they didn't entirely throw it out. They brought Thrawn back in um, Star Wars Rebels, which we're told is actual canon. Right. They revealed things. Some of the things they revealed in, in Rebels actually came to fruition in the movies. Right. So, right. There's a lot of... But gr- still, there's, it's not the same. There's re- Yeah. There's a lot of great material. And um, like decades worth of books that they could borrow from, as, as it were. And the thing is, is yep. that what Kathleen Kennedy and the rest of the team at Lucasfilm did was says that stuff doesn't count anymore. We're throwing that out. That's no longer canon. That's quote legends unquote, and that that alienated a lot of Star Wars fans. Star Wars fans it's that really you have, good. you got to get them in the theater and buy your movie, buy tickets to see your movie, and buy your merchandise. If you're going to throw, and you're not going to do that by pissing them off and saying yes, the hundreds of dollars you've invested in material and everything you think you know about Star Wars is not true, right? And that's an awful thing to do to it. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna call you're gonna call members of your demographic a holes, and then you're gonna wonder why yeah. they don't show up to buy your products and go see your movie. I it doesn't make right. yeah doesn't make a, a hell of a lot of sense. Now you look at something like The Mandalorian, whereas you have Dave Filani and John Favreau who had this th- thing mapped out. They had a story mapped up altogether. They had a middle beginning of an end, or a beginning, middle, and end, and they saw it through from beginning, middle, to end. It told an overarching story. It is, it's essentially how, it's eight episodes. So yeah. it's, it's almost, it's almost a seven hour long movie. And there's so many little pieces. It's like, it, it has a little bit of, um, you know, Kurosawa movies. He's got his space samurai. It has this little bit of the Magnificent Seven in it. It has a little bit of a, like a, a typical heist movie. Um, and it's interesting to see how it all played out. And uh, no spoilers and anything like that. But the thing is, is like it made Mandalorians cool again. And it was it was kind of like hold on, hold on. Mandalorians were always cool. What the fuck are you talking about made them cool again? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, because I, I I think that Boba Fett's um, demise in Return of the Jedi may have tarnished the uh, um, well. The shine See, and of this is where this is where you've got, you know, the canon is that Boba Fett is not a Mandalorian. Yeah. You know, and I love the fact that they never mentioned the name Fett at all because Boba Fett and Jango Fett were not Mandalorians. Right. They were just mercenaries who got hold of Mandalorian armor. And this is where I go real full on geek here. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference being is that one of the plot devices within the Mandalorian is Beskar steel. Yeah. And Jango Fett and Boba Fett's armor is not made out of Beskar steel. So basically they were wearing something they didn't have an entitled, they didn't have a right to wear it. Yeah. It'd be like in feudal Japan, 
someone wearing the Daisho and not being a samurai. Right. If that makes sense. No. If anyone... No, it, because the thing is, it makes sense to people who are invested right. in the entire lore. It, and, it's, and, I, and I think that it was, there's so much wonderful material in there. You have such a, a, a huge fan base. Like you have such a huge fan base. And the thing is, is that there's so much goodwill out there until you decided to take all the things that they've loved that was created between Return of the Jedi and two or three years before The Force Awakened, and you throw that shit out. And right. that does the thing that, is, is that doesn't they want people want to love Star Wars. Just right. give them a reason to. Right. And don't and don't embarrass people who want to love Star Wars and make them feel bad and make them feel guilty that the books that they've considered canon. It don't tell them that the stuff that they've loved for the past 20 years doesn't count anymore. Right. So I, I think that they are in an uphill battle. And then there's a part of me that thinks, you know what? I think maybe Kathleen Kennedy needs to retire. And I think that they need to put somebody like, like John Favreau or Dave Filoni in her place and say, we want, uh, we want an old Republic series. Um, you know what? Um, have it all planned out. Have it, have a have a trilogy all planned out. But let's just do like the first movie and see how that how people react to that. Like we did with the original Star Wars trilogy. So right. see if people see if people like it. And uh, and go from there. Speaking about seeing if people like it or not, I'm looking around the room here because I wanted to talk oh. about I wanted to talk about Tony's work. Yeah. Um, okay. So, go ahead, Tony. Um, we're going we're to be talking about Tony Snipes here for a second. And if you don't yep. know who Tony Snipes is, you will by the end of this podcast. Right. And Tony Snipes and the Portsmouth Aeroship Company. Um, I bought his calendar last year. Started seeing his artwork online. I fucking love it. It's awesome. It is everything that Diesel Punk should be and he's somehow creating a world without even telling a story in it he's including you in the world um if you go on to facebook and you go into uh, portsmouth aeroship it'll show up if you do a tony also link tony also shares his work on the fedora chronicles group page on facebook yes he does yes he does and it's just he's he's a graphic artist extremely talented man and i just i love i love the way the aesthetic he creates he combines um background photography with his artwork and he blends it so it's not like hey i drew this on top of a picture right it's it it all fits the same aesthetic the same stylistic choices and it's phenomenal it really is yeah and I, I can't say enough good things about it. He did, Every once in a while, he'll do a um, how I did it kind of thing, and it's like a time lapse of him actually creating the artwork. And I love those as well. Right. I, I can't say enough positive about it. Now, it's Tony, you're hitting it out of the park, dude. Love right, you. Right. Um, Tony had uh, approached us and asked us if he, um, uh, he would, if we would review his product on the air 
during a and this is part of his 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 calendar uh, his calendar book tour or 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 I'm not sure how how did he say yeah. this. Um, yeah, the, the, the calendar is on tour. That's exactly what it is. It's sort of like it's a virtual online yeah. book tour. And Tony, also, for full disclosure, Tony has also been a guest on the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Um, and I'll have to dig that episode and, and put that in our show notes. Um, so here's what you're going to get. This, you get the calendar. You got, we get this, you got an envelope, and it's marked classified. It's just a classified stamp. <laughs> it's top secret. And you open it up, you get a, 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 an old classic style file folder. And that's marked classified. And it was just like, and I'm kind of like geeking out over it on, on, on the podcast. And inside <laughs> is the Portsmouth Aeroship Building Company um, for 2020. And it's a signed copy. And it is this stylized version of the future that never was. It's a little steampunk. It's a little diesel punk. It's his own combination of gravity defying ships from a bygone era that are simply phenomenal. And some of them are breathtaking. Well, they're all breathtaking. Some of them are kind of like, well, how the hell did he do that? It's a little bit of photo. It's a little bit of it's a little bit of Photoshop, a little bit of Illustrator, and a little bit of hand drawn um, drawings all put together. And the way that he puts them together, it's just like you're going to have people who are going to um, come into your office and they're going to pick this calendar up and they're going to go through this and they're going to be asking the same question I asked. How come Disney Plus isn't hiring somebody like Tony to do the artwork for for something that within the, the the Rocketeer universe, as it were? And it's, I think it's one of those things that if you are if if you're a retro not if you're a diesel punk or steampunk if you're into all things retro this is the perfect thing to have on your wall to bring back the twenties. So, um, and that's very appropriate considering the twenties are like, you know, Thursday. By the time this is um, on, yeah, by, by the time that this episode is on, um, is on the server. It's been released. Yeah. By the time you hear this podcast, chances are really good. It's the twenties all over again. Um, right. Um, did he do the QVR thing? I again think he on did. The... Yes, he did. You can actually, okay. now I'm saving the, I'm saving those. I haven't scanned through them all yet. I'm wait. I'm waiting. Oh, don't. For, I'm waiting for December. Yeah. I'm going to do them one at a time. And I'm so what we're talking about is on some of the pages on some of the artwork, he has a little QVR code in the corner. And that is new content that you can look at. So you're buying the calendar and you're not getting just 12 pictures. You're getting 12 pictures. And plus, I think on last year's calendar, he had, I want to see it was like eight or nine of those QVR codes. And, it just shows you like one, I think was a behind the scenes, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And it's just really cool stuff that kind of adds to the whole feel of it. Right. It's, it's, it's almost, it's, fantastic. it's a multimedia experience. You get the calendar, right? And you use your cell phone, you scan the code and there's other content that I believe that he'll also be releasing um, in the months to come, or he has, or he already has it all laid out, planned out, ready to go. 
So it's one yeah. of those things, and we'll go. And this is the um, we're going to have links to this um, on the Fedora Chronicles homepage, thefedorachronicles.com. There's and there will be a link to his calendar where you can get your own calendar, and um, with links to some of his other work. I and 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 here's the thing. Tony is also one of the nicest guys that we've had as a guest on our podcast. And and not only is he into his own artwork, he's also into supporting other artists as well. Um, right. He also links to the great things that we've done here on the Fedora Chronicles. Um, so anyway, so um, not that we have that out of the way, but we really wanted to um, sort of save that for like last. Um because I hear somebody knocking on the door. There's one other. There's yeah, it's because I got to drive my daughter to, to, okay. uh, to work. All right. Uh, we just want to do a special thanks to Tony. Thank him for all of the support. Thank you for the calendars. And keep up the good work because I'm already excited about 2021. Anyway, Jay, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we, we, we wrapped it up? Or you have to up and disappear? I kind of have to up and disappear. I, I completely lost track of the time. I got to take my daughter and drop her off the train so she can go to work. Fantastic. So. That's right. Anyway, Jay, happy new year. And we will talk to you again real soon. I hope, certainly hope so. All right. Happy new year, everyone. Happy new year. Eric, give my best to Carol and the kids. I certainly will. Take care, Jay. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show with hosts Jason Cousineau and Eric Renderking-Fisk. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our past shows, show notes, and recent articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook after you found it so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, Chronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with comments and show topic suggestions. We might even read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing and for five dollars a month you get all that and a t-shirt or coffee mug terms and conditions apply and thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing you can also support the show and show off your incredible impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash fedora chronicles 12.5 percent of every sale goes directly into keeping this podcast and all the others on the Fedora Chronicles network on the air. That's Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. The theme song for this show is Royal Flush by All of Music. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is edited and produced by Eric Render King Fisk. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2019-2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of Jason Cousineau, this is Eric Render King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chin up and your fedora on. 